Hello and welcome to the Ahead of the Game podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to our Ahead of the Game special. Uh, we are going to be previewing Scotland's World Cup qualifier against Malta on Sunday. Uh, joining me here is Graham McPherson to my right and uh, in the outside uh, right position, depending on how you're looking at him, is our Chief Football Writer, Mr Matthew Lindsay. He will be travelling uh, to Malta to cover the game for both the Herald and the Evening Times on Sunday. So, guys, uh, the World Cup coming around again. Scotland haven't qualified for the final since uh, 1998. You were still probably in short trousers then. Uh, Matthew, I'll start off with you. Can Gordon Strachan and his bonny lads make uh, make it to the finals in two years' time? I'm afraid to say it's doubtful. Okay, Graham, and <laughs> moving on. Sorry about that. No, I, uh, I mean, we had a great chance at, uh, to make it through the Euro 2016 finals, but because uh, of how the qualification process was set up, top two teams in the section made it through, the third place team got into a playoff. Um, and we didn't manage it. Um, so we're going into this World Cup qualifying campaign. The top team gets through and uh, the, the, the second team gets into uh, the, the playoffs. So it's less likely that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through in, uh, in this qualifying campaign. So I'm afraid I'm, I'm, afraid I'm pretty pessimistic about our chances. Well, moving on to someone more positive, <laughs> uh, Graham. No, I'm afraid I'm not hugely optimistic either, Stuart. Um, Why did I invite you two in here today? <laughs> no, I mean, the start of the campaign, if you, if you can't be optimistic right at the start before a ball's kicked, then when can you? But I just, it just feels very low-key, the build-up. I know Gordon Strack has defended his squad. I don't feel he's brought in too many new players. You could argue who's he not picked, perhaps Ross McCormack. But the group of players we've got, the build-up, the way the Euros finished... I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not sensing great optimism among the fans at the moment. I mean, that, that, that's a key word that any time it comes, you know, Scotland participating in a major tournament or trying to qualify for a major tournament is, uh, is optimism. And we're all optimistic. Why? Because if Scotland do well, we get to go to exotic places like, you know, in your case, um, Malta, in your case, probably Wembley. Um, but... Um, you know, we're all Scotland fans at heart, um, but we have to we have to add in a bit of realism as well. And we just don't have the players that other nations have, do we? No, um, I mean a lot has been made of uh, the success that, that Wales and uh, Northern Ireland and uh, to a lesser extent the Republic of Ireland enjoyed at uh, Euro 2016 finals. Um, and without wanting to get into that whole argument, I think that we don't even have the players that they have. I, don't, I, th- I think defensively is where we have a problem. We have, we have talented players, we, we, we have uh, good professionals, but I just think we're so limited defensively that uh, it, it restricts what, what uh, we, we can do at international level. I think Northern Ireland's defence is better than ours. I think Wales have a couple of world-class players in there. I just think they're better than us, Republic of Ireland as well. I just think that de- defensively, We've got uh, we've got decent enough professionals, but at international level, they're, they're, they're just uh, very limited. But this is Malta, and as uh, Kenny Halligan just says, there it's Malta. Get them beaten, hurry up! You know that surely that has to be a, a, a kind of yeah. mindset as well. That, you know, if you're going to have any positivity, you have to have it against someone like Malta. I think the mentality is a big part of it as well, Stuart, because. 
Matthew touched, touched on Wales and Northern Ireland and not the greatest sides in the world, but I mean the way Chris Coleman and Michael O'Neill spoke were very positive. They said we can do this, this is our chance and we have to believe in ourselves. And you'll, you'll never hear that kind of language from Gordon Strachan or really from his players either. I know that's only a small part of it, but I think if you go there with a kind of negative mentality among the squad that you think, oh, we're beat before we've started, I, I don't I mean that's not going to take you anywhere. So I think we have to be more positive if possible as a squad. The manager has to be more positive, he has to say the right things and says, right, we're going to go there, we're going to do Malta 5 0. I have to I have to say here that I have to say here that Graham has won the uh, the, the the bingo. Uh, George Mullen, why did the BBC stop short at saying that Rangers had died? There we go. So so Graham, thanks for that one, George. I know you're out there watching. We've mentioned you. Uh, you'll be deleted now. Uh, but uh, you know, so Graham's won the bingo. But but again, let's let, let's analyse the the kind of makeup of of the team. I'll start with you, Graham. Um, central defence. Whereas in years gone by, we had to toss a coin to see if we were going to play uh, Alan Hansen or Willie Miller. Um, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Yeah, don't want to reminisce too much. But, I mean, it's a real problem yeah. for Scotland. You're right. Historically, it was a really strong position for us, wasn't it? Going back to the 80s, even the 90s. But the last decade or so, we've really struggled to produce decent centre-halves. I mean, people are talking about maybe a call-up for John Suter further down the line. Danny Wilson at Rangers, he's had his chance before. But... I think for the foreseeable future, it's going to be probably Hanley and Russell Martin. We're both decent professionals, but there's no there's no one else really. There's no one really pushing them for competition. I guess Christoph Berra, you could say. Um, Gordon Greer, who must be pensionable age, but now I think 35, mm. 36. But where the, the centre-half's coming through are, I don't know, because we're really badly lacking there. I'm, I'm always waiting for Gordon Greer to appear in one of these adverts. A US central defender who's been overused and underestimated. <laughs> Phone this number. Um, going around the whole squad, for instance, mm -hmm. going back to last week, you're looking for your players to be playing matches, but there was a, a, a dreadful stat about the, the, the Scotland squad, the makeup of the Scotland squad. I think it was only like 13 players out of the squad actually played 90 minutes. Other guys were on the bench. Other guys weren't even, you know, in in their, their clubs kind of eighteen. I mean, it, that is, has to be a problem this early in the season. Yeah, that that, that is the, the the really alarming thing is it's a lack of game time uh, that they're getting. I mean, Strachan's left Sean Maloney out of this squad because he felt that he wasn't playing at the tail end of last season and his form dipped. That's fair enough. But, you know, he's picked up all these other players who uh, aren't featuring for their uh, club sides either. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned central defence, and at the weekend there, you had Grant Hanley sitting on the bench for, for Newcastle, and uh, you had Russell Martin, I think, did, did he come on for Norwich? I think he, mm. he maybe did come on for Norwich, but it's not, uh, it's not very encouraging going into a World Cup qualifier that your, your two first-choice central defenders haven't, uh, haven't really been featured and they haven't got an awful lot of game time. Christoph Berra has, but um, I'm afraid I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of uh, M M Mr. Berra international level. I'd, I'd go with, with Martin and Hanley, but they uh, they haven't uh, they haven't exactly featured a great deal. There's a, a collective responsibility when when you're in a squad or in a team, but you have to think that collectively these guys are are taking their app for what in effect isn't a very strong generation of, of Scottish players or Scottish talent. You know, they're, they're the guys who have been selected, but there, there's not that many others um, who are around there. Is it is it something more that we should be looking about how how the manager um, maybe picks a side or, or the kind of formation that he picks? 
Or even as you say, going further than that in the kind of youth strategy, we're waiting to see who Brian McClare's successor will be, but obviously that didn't work out. Mark Water kind of put some plans in place which never really came to fruition. So, yeah, Gordon Strachan's picking the guys, but you can only pick those who are available. It goes, sadly, a lot deeper than that, and that's what we need to get fixed if we're ever going to make uh, major tournaments again, I think. How, um, a few call-offs through injury, the main one has to be uh, Lee Griffiths. Um, <coughs> I'm not convinced myself that even though he's um, scoring goals or was scoring goals regularly uh, and made a fantastic start to the season, I'm not convinced that that would have been enough to convince Gordon Strachan that he should have started with Lee Griffiths in Malta. Okay, injury has has ruled him out uh, and we'll probably end up seeing uh, Stephen Fletcher again. But it still has to be a, a, a blow for Scotland's hopes that Lee Griffiths actually making that flight out there. <coughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not so sure uh, about that. I think Griffiths' form has been such that uh, I think Strachan might have been tempted to to start him up front. He's, you know, uh, it's been well documented. He's been a huge fan of, of Stephen Fletcher, despite the, 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 you know, far from impressive goals return. Um, but I think Griffiths was superb last season. Um, there was a clamour for him to start for Scotland last season, which Strachan ignored. I think he stepped up a level this season with his goals in the, the, the European games and then his, his goal against Aberdeen at the weekend. And I think uh, I think he had a he had a good chance of starting against Malta, um, you know, b- because you know they're a lesser footballing nation and, and he might have been tempted. He might have been tempted to play Fletcher and uh, and, and Smith. And I can see I can see Strachan uh, going with a different formation to the four two three one. That he that he favours and being you know throwing caution to the wind a little bit more in this uh, in this outing. So. But the, who as the second centre forward? Then you know you've got Tony Watt who who said that he doesn't really see himself as a number nine. He sees himself as being a, a bit deeper. Neil Smith similar, you know, isn't really seen as a kind of number nine figure anymore. So I don't see who he could play up front with Fletcher if he wants to go to up front. I think we're really badly lacking a second centre forward. Well, now that Griffiths is out, yeah, um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think that changes things, but um, uh, I do think Griffiths was pushing hard for uh, f- for a start with, with with his form. I think you know Griffiths is a loss. I think MacArthur is a huge loss. Um, I think with uh, with Scott Brown retiring, um, you were looking at a Darren Fletcher, James MacArthur uh, midfield partnership there. You talk about players not playing a lot of football. Um, MacArthur's out injured now, so. James Morrison's played played in there and played in there extremely well, despite it not being his natural position um, or his favourite position. He's, he's he's done very well there when he's been when he's been asked to drop back. But again, he's another guy that's hardly hardly played. So, um, what do you do? Do you go with Fletcher and McGinn? I, I don't know. What would what would you be tempted Probably to do? Fletcher and Morrison, as you say. I think the one area of the pitch that does give us scope for uh, confidence and optimism is the three behind the strikers. I think there we do have a kind of options. Goalkeepers, I thought we were going to say oh, three well, goalkeepers. Goalkeeper, we're doing okay there as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not against Malta. But yeah, obviously, Ollie Burke's kind of prominence in his move to the Bundesliga. Barry Mackay's playing well. Um, Naismith can play there. Snodgrass has obviously started well at Hull. So, Clutching the straws a wee bit, but I think it's a part of the team we can feel fairly happy about that Aye. we do have options. But we've also got, we've also got to, we, we, we touched on the strikers. You, you know, you can't mention the strikers without mentioning the guys who are not there. There is no Ross McCormick, there is no 
Jordan Rhodes, and we're talking historically here, that he's been a guy who's come in and out and flitted with the, in and out with the team. Does Gordon Strachan do himself any favours by not including one of these guys? You would think at least one of these guys would be worth a call-up in a, in a 23 or a 24 or 27-man squad. You'd think they would find space for one of them just to take the pressure off and so the questions are not going to be asked. He's, he's got this huge thing for Chris Martin. Um, Gordon Strachan, he absolutely loves I like Coldplay play as well, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. I think he, he likes to have Chris Martin in because he's a guy that can come on if need be and uh, hold the ball up and bring others into play. Um, and he always gets selected because he, he gives Gordon Strachan that option. Um, but I'd certainly have Ross McCormack in there, um, playing consistently, playing at a high level. Um, I'd, I'd probably have him in there ahead of Chris Martin. Chris Martin, um, I've, I've seen him play for Derby, um, and uh, I've been very impressed, but he's never really done it for me at the uh, international level. He, has, he hasn't had a huge opportunity to impress, but, but I've, I've, I've not seen what the attraction is. I thought McCormack, if he was unlucky to miss out in the original squad, when Griffiths dropped out to then not get a call, mm-hmm. he must be thinking, oh, this is never going to happen for me, I'm just not going to get think, I think, uh, I, think uh, I, I, I tweeted during the week, um, are you getting the message? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and again, yesterday, or, 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 we heard from uh, Mark McGee saying, you know, that you know, you're still part of our our squad and part of our thoughts. I think it's getting that's wearing a bit thin well, when you're not actually making it into the squad. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, but then you've got this strange thing where Ross McCormack was overlooked for the the squad for the friendly against the Czech Republic last season. There's a call off. He gets called up. He starts the game. And uh, and it sets up the goal, so yeah. you know there's just no rhyme or reason to it. And Jordan Rhodes, I don't think, should be uh, waiting for a call anytime soon. No, uh, but but again, if you if you look at, and I know fans don't pick teams, but if you look at um, the fans of various clubs, they will tell you how good Ross McCormack has been playing or how good Jordan Rhodes has been playing. And you know, and when they were sold, um, you notice the comments. Well, this will be a loss. So, so why do, do fans of clubs uh, down south rate these guys? Yet, obviously, the Scotland manager doesn't see anything in them. Well, there's no way, uh, there's no logic, logic to it really. I mean, the other thing about Strachan is he's always gone on about uh, how how important it is the level that a player is playing at. He was mm. delighted when Celtic got into the Champions League because you had. Lee Griffiths, James Forrest, uh, Craig Gordon, or perhaps not Craig Gordon now, um, we're, we're going to be playing at, uh, at Keaton Tierney, we're going to be playing at that level. So he's always talking about the importance of the level that a player is operating at, um, making it easier for them to then step up to international level. We've got Jordan Rhodes is now playing in the Premier League in England. We don't have many other players that are playing in the Premier League in England. Most of them are playing in the Championship, and yet he still gets overlooked. I think I think he's just I think he's just not not Strachan's kind of player. I just think Strachan doesn't feel he fits into the system that he plays. Yeah, um, we have another five or six minutes left. If you have any other questions for us, please um, pop them in on on Facebook, and we'll try and ask them. Just come back here to, to yourself, Graham. Um, we don't hear from Gordon Strachan in the lead up to these games. He uh, he sends out his uh, number two. Uh, Mark McGee to uh, comment to the to the press. 
Uh, is he under pressure, Gordon Strachan? Uh, I think if he doesn't get off to a good start to the campaign, then I think there will be questions getting asked. Yeah, a lot of people I think would say that he was perhaps fortunate to get another chance there, given what happened in the last campaign. The SFA have stuck by him; they've spoken very highly of him. I think if we've not taken close to maximum points, if possible, before we go to Wembley, then I think he will be under a bit of pressure because we can't we can't afford another campaign just fizzle out the way so many have in the past. Um, I think so. I think this game is a must-win game. Uh, speaking to somebody over in Malta earlier in the week, he said even at home they're a team that likes to sit in. They're not going to be adventurous. So Scotland are going to have to be proactive to to break them down. So uh, I think it could be a long night, but they have to win this game. That's that's the bottom line. And uh, I think it was Winston Churchill who once said, "One one would be enough." But you you know, the the, the days of uh, Scotland visiting nations and islands and the likes. Uh, and thinking, well, we'll score two or three or four or five here, are long gone. I mean, a one-nil victory would be celebrated, and <laughs> probably one or two of the players might end up in the, the Queen's New Year's Honours list. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd take a one-nil win now. I'm, I have to say, I, for some reason, I've got a very bad feeling about this. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable when Scotland are playing Germany, and the, the, their, their chances have been written off, and, and we've got no hope. I'm more confident that we'll. Will produce a, a stirring backs to the wall performance and, and sneak a result than when we go away to face Malta or, or a Minnows and are expected to win 5 0. But uh, are we not categorised now as Minnows as well? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it's getting that way. I mean, um, I, I, I don't know, I, ju I just think Griffiths uh, dropping out as a blow, Brown retiring make, makes things difficult, um, James MacArthur not being available. We've also got all these players, as you mentioned, who aren't playing. And I just think that this is a difficult game. It's also the first first game of a, of a new campaign. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. I said, the, the, the Valletta Bugle are probably sitting around doing a podcast saying <laughs> we must win our first game against the Minnows from Scotland. There will be no chance. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll cut into that later on in the, in the, in the, in the broadcast. Just, uh, just kind of, kind of finally... The importance of getting off to a winning start. Again, back years ago, and I'm reminded here that Graham McGarry saying that one or two of us are showing our age. Obviously, he's referring to the likes of you two guys, not me. But we got used to get off to winning starts in the strangest of places. Gordon Strachan himself scored against Sweden in in 1980, um, 1986. Sorry, 1988. It would be uh, we beat uh, Norway when Morris Johnson scored the winner. Equally, other managers have really, really suffered by not getting off. Most famously, probably uh, George Burnley, when we when we lost uh, one 0 uh, I think it was in Macedonia. I, I might, I might be, yeah. you know, I might be right or wrong there in that one. But, but it, it was, it almost registered the death knell yeah. of 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 our campaign before it even started. Also, Craig Levine. Um, he, he, I think we would have been not be right saying we drew our opening two games in the World yeah. Qualifying campaign and, yeah. Yeah, and, just, and just that just got the whole thing off to such a downer and we never recovered from that mm -hmm. um, it's, it would be massive, it would be so important any kind of win on Sunday yeah. I think wasn't it and just kind of lift the nation, lift the mood a wee bit if we can yeah. get up three points on the board can I ask this, is this why you put in for the first game in case there weren't any other ones coming <laughs> up no, I'll, I'll go to Malta no it's ok um, <laughs> Well, anyway, um, that's uh, our ahead of the game for Friday and uh, previewing Sunday's match, uh, Scotland against Malta in the World Cup qualifier. Um, we'll be back uh, next week 
to uh, do the review of the game or post-mortem, depending on what the actual <laughs> result is. Uh, so I'd just like to say thank you to, to Matthew. Enjoy your trip to uh, the George Cross Island. To Graham here, who um, is uh, cutting the grass. Trip to George Square. Trip to George Square, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on that uh, joyous and happy note, um, I would like to say goodbye just for now. Uh, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to Ahead of the Game. We'll see you again next time.